Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of 20 Minute Fitness. Uh, We are so excited to uh, deliver you this week's episode. We have a very exciting guest. His name is Jeff Hayden, and he just wrote the book called The Motivation Myth. It overturns the beloved but false idea that motivation leads to success. Instead, small successes lead to constant motivation. We had a great chat with Jeff, and I can't wait to share that interview with you. So without further ado, here is our interview with Jeff Hayden. And as always, the 20 Minute Fitness Podcast is powered by ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner scale and fitness tracker all rolled into one. To pre-order, go to shapescale.com. I worked in manufacturing for about 20 years. My my goal was I worked my way through college and liked manufacturing. So I started at the very bottom at a plant for R.R. Donnelly. They're the world's largest commercial printers. And my goal was to run a plant. And I worked for about 20 years at that and managed to get myself to a position where I was running a plant and then looked around after about three years and thought, wow, that was my goal, but I'm not sure I want to do this the rest of my life. Uh, so I so I'd always wanted to write, but I had no writing training or background or anything else like that. The only thing is that I had written work for work, but I decided to bet on myself and give it a try. Uh, so I started out ghostwriting and worked my way up through that and eventually if we fast forward a lot, since I said it would just be a little, um, I'm a contributing editor for Inc. Magazine, and I still ghostwrite a lot of stuff, and I've written my own book because I finally realized that I had enough of an audience that maybe that made sense. And so, uh, yeah, here I am. So I'm, I'm the classic career switcher kind of out of nowhere. And, you know, if, if there's any lesson to be drawn from that, it's that you can, you can totally change careers if you choose to do so, as long as you're willing to work hard and kind of be humble and start at the bottom. So you um, just published your book, uh, Motivation Myth. So um, what kind of gave you um, the idea to write a book on motivation or what kind of prompted you to um, dive into that area? The, probably the best way to describe it is I was talking with Venus Williams, which, you know, if you're going to drop a name, Venus is a good one to drop. <laughs> right, and, sure. you know, she's she's obviously incredibly accomplished as a tennis player, but she also does some other things at a really high level. She started a fit, fitness work company. And she actually designs and actively participates in it. It's not a licensing thing. She also runs an interior design company that does designs for gyms and hotels and things like that. And she's actively involved in that. And so it just struck me when I was talking to her that in none of these things, did she ever have this moment where she said, oh, my gosh, I want to be you know, the number one tennis player in the world or I want to be an acclaimed designer or she never had that lightning bolt moment. She just had things she was interested in. And she decided to pursue them and she created processes for herself that would allow her to get better at those things and see where it took her. And so I contrasted that with all of the people that either write or talk to me after I speak or things like that. And they say, you know, I feel stuck. I haven't found my purpose. I haven't found my passion. I haven't found that one thing I want to do, but I really want to achieve something big. And all of them are waiting for this moment where the inspiration hits them. Mm -hmm. And if I flip that around, all of the successful people that I'm fortunate to get to talk to because of what I do, none of them had that moment. Maybe there are some out there that have, but none of the people that I've talked to had that moment. They just had an interest that they decided to pursue and they worked at getting better at that. And so the the whole premise of the book is that motivation isn't something that comes to you from somewhere Mm -hmm. and you don't have to wait for it. Motivation is something you create on your own by having an interest, working to improve, seeing a little bit of improvement, because if you follow the right processes, you will, mm-hmm. feeling good about that improvement, which makes you feel better about yourself, makes you a little bit more excited. And that gives you enough motivation to carry you to the next day. And really, that's what it's all about. It's not 
I need this huge storehouse of motivation that will take me through the months and years of struggle. Mm-hmm. You just need enough to get you to tomorrow. And if right. you can get to tomorrow and do what you need to do tomorrow, then at the end of the day, you get to feel good about yourself because you did what you set out to do. You probably saw a little bit of improvement or success, however small, that gets you to the next day. And that's really what it's all about. And every successful person that I've talked to, whether knowingly or unknowingly, that's how they've approached it. Right. And just um, so it's kind of the idea of, um, you know, keeping your head down and working and then also just um, falling in love with the process of things instead of um, looking at, you know, the end goal and kind of idealizing it more of falling in love with the process. So um, I guess my question is, are there habits that we can implement that would foster that idea of small success and really loving that process and moving day to day? The, the biggest one would be to find a process that actually works. And it's not, you know, oftentimes people get hung up in the, well, I want to do this thing, but I want a process that is, or I want a routine that is somehow unique to me because, you know, I'm special and I'm an individual and I'm a, you know, all of those things. And so mm-hmm. it has to be unique. And most of us are pretty much the same. And so if what someone else did to succeed worked for them, 95% of that is going to work for you. So there is no reason to reinvent perfectly good wheels. That would be number one. But probably the biggest key is, like you said, to keep your head down and do the work. The, the biggest demotivator that most people run into when they try to accomplish something really large is the distance between here and there. And here is wherever you're starting, however humble, and there is this massive goal that you want to achieve. So if we use a really standard uh, example, mm-hmm. let's take you want to run a marathon, mm-hmm. but you've never run a marathon. You, you don't even run. Right. You just decided you want to do this. Mm-hmm. So if you go for a run today and you run a mile, because that's you know what you were supposed to do, and you come home and you're on the couch and you feel terrible and your knees hurt and you know it's just awful. If you pop your head up and look across and say, oh my gosh, I've got to do 26 of these, you will probably quit because the distance between here and there is too far. So The key is to keep your head down and just say, okay, what was I supposed to do today? I was supposed to run a mile. I did run a mile. Hey, I accomplished what I set out to do. That feels good. Let's worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and let's forget the 26. So your Mm -hmm. goal should inform the process you create because whatever it is you're trying to achieve, you have to have some roadmap to get there. So you figure that part out and then you almost forget the goal for a while Mm -hmm. and just look at the day to day. And if you can do that and you can create that habit, you get a little ways into it and you've started to see some real success and it's a lot easier to deal with that the inevitability of the longer journey because now you know it works it's just a matter of time and effort and when you know it's just time and effort that's a really empowering thing right and as you mentioned you have you know your own process and um the day to day so do you mind sharing what that process looks like um wow it's different for that's different for depending on what yeah. i'm trying to do okay uh but it's it's basically oh, that's a hard question to answer. Okay. Um, give me give me some pick something that okay. pick something in and I'll give you, and I'll try to give an example. All right. Uh, well, since this is you know a fitness based podcast, let's choose something that might be okay. uh, fitness related. So um, let's take uh, you know the example of a marathon or even um, losing maybe let's say ten pounds. Like how how would you apply a process to that? I'll pick a third one um, okay. since it's fitness related because <laughs> okay. I did this. Um, okay, great. I, I decided to, years ago, I decided that I wanted to, I needed to get in better shape and I couldn't really run much because my knees are bad. And so I decided I would start cycling, but I hate cycling or I hated cycling, mm-hmm. but I, I went out and did it and I rode some and, you know, I'd ride three or four miles and I lived in this really hilly area and it was awful. 
And so I was sitting there on the couch, as I described earlier, thinking, what am I doing? This is terrible. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that I needed a big goal so I would have something to shoot for. Because that goal of get in better shape, quote unquote, what what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And how do you get inspired by that? You know, the same is true with like lose weight. Okay, what do you do with that? And Mm -hmm. so I luckily I lived in an area where there were some professional mountain bikers. And I talked to one of them who I knew and I said, you know, hey, there's this Grand Fondo coming up in four months. A Grand Fondo is just a mass participation cycling event. Okay. But the one that I was going to ride was 102 miles, had 11,000 feet of climbing. You know, it was, a, it was a pretty rough event. And I said, you know, if you were me and you wanted to be able to ride that four months, what would you do? And he said, the first thing I'd do is quit because you're never going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, seriously, <laughs> what would I do? And so he put, he created a plan for me. And my plan meant that the very first day I had to go out and ride for three hours. And I had certain steps that I had to accomplish along the way. Mm-hmm. And it was awful. But I knew that here's a guy who has been there and done that and knows how it works. And I knew that if I followed what he said, mm-hmm. that I could, I would have a really, really good chance of success. Whereas if I just did what I thought was right, you know, you add those two columns up, the column of here's what pretty much guarantees that I succeed versus here's what I would like to do. The like to do has a very small likelihood of getting me where I want to be. And I will put time and effort into it. Whereas the, hey, this is going to be really hard, but I'll probably succeed. That's the cool side. And so that's what I did. So I followed his plan and I actually did fairly well at the silly thing. Um, and, and along the way, the cool part is once I got a little more into it, I started to like cycling, you know, right. because, you know, you feel a little better about yourself. You start to feel like you belong. If you go on group rides, I got a little more interested in equipment and I found that to be kind of fascinating. And so somehow in the process of all that, I converted from being a guy who grudgingly went out and rode his bike mm-hmm. into a person who felt, however, you know, amateurish like a cyclist and that's a really cool thing too and that's a really motivating thing because when you adopt a habit that becomes part of your identity it's much easier to stick with if you feel like a runner you are much more likely to go run because that's who you are and so that that i think is an important part of the whole motivation thing too you have to give yourself enough time to see some improvement and to start embracing whatever it is you're setting out to do because that will allow you to feel like you belong and that's a really cool feeling, and it's very empowering, and it gives you confidence in all other areas of your life as well. Right. Wow. Um, so just to kind of bounce off that, um, you know, I think that motivation could also be associated with, you know, finding yourself in a rut, um, whether it's mm-hmm. like training physically or maybe even a creative rut. Um, do you have any advice for getting yourself out of that and back on track? Usually for me, it's I need some kind of specific goal. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at you know, just sort of wandering my way towards something. If I don't have something I want to achieve, and I usually try to pick a goal where I'm not a fan of peer pressure in that I want people to be constantly like observing and watching me, mm-hmm. but I am a fan <laughs> of peer pressure where I knew that when I went to ride the grandfather that day, that there were going to be about 500 other riders there. And if I sucked, then people were going to see that. Right. <laughs> that was a That was a motivator for me. To say, you know what, I don't want to look stupid in front of other people. Um, but more than that, I just like to pick concrete things that, you know, there's a goal. It's hopefully is a goal that has meaning to you on multiple levels. So, you know, let's say you've decided that you really need to lose 20 pounds. Well, the, the 20 pounds probably has something to do with the fact that you don't feel particularly good walking around heavier. And also, you don't necessarily feel good about how you look. Well, those are those are important. But then if you can layer in the fact that from a health point of view, that's a much better thing for you. The fact that your family would like you to be along, uh, alive longer and fitter mm-hmm. and more healthy with them, that's important. If you have kids and you want to show an example to them, that's important. So the more 
the more goals you can apply to something so that it works for you on multiple levels, the more likely you are to stick with that. So if you're in a rut with something, take a step back and say, why am I doing this? You know, what was the initial goal? But what, what has my goal become? And are there other goals that I can apply to this so that it works on a bunch of different levels? Right. And, you know, viewing motivation on kind of a micro level, um, as far as like motivation to wake up early and go to the gym or motivation to um, actually go to the gym, maybe after work. How does that motivation work for you? And have you seen um, that kind of micro level of motivation work well for other people? Or what advice do you have on that? I'm really big, excuse me, I'm really big on choice architecture. So the more, the fewer choices that you can make, or the fewer chances that you give yourself to have to make a decision about what you do, the better. So the the tried and true method, if you want to get up early and exercise, is to you know lay your clothes out beside the bed, have your water bottle. Let's say you're say you have a treadmill in your house and you want to run mm-hmm. you know for a half an hour when you first wake up. Mm-hmm. Have your water bottle sitting on the treadmill. Have have everything laid up so, laid out so all you do is wake up, get dressed, and get on the treadmill. Because if you can get through that first couple minutes, then you're good to go. Right. And but if you have to make choices, you know it's like, well, do I do this? Should I check my email first? Or you know. Anything that you can do to strip away the decisions is really important. It's the same stuff with, you know, people that want to drink, say, less soda and more water. If you put three or four water bottles on your desk and you have that many there all the time, it's much easier to reach for. So the the choice architecture thing, I think, for me is really important. Um, And the same is true with, you know, like, say, if you're trying to lose weight, you know, I have friends that they eat. They eat lunch out every day. Mm-hmm. And so that means to me that they have to go and they have to willfully decide to eat something healthy at whatever restaurant they happen to find themselves at. Right. Well, the easiest way to avoid that is to fix something at home that is good for you and healthy and that you know you want to eat and take it with you and eat it at work. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but why, why, so, why put yourself in a position where you have to make those kinds of willpower decisions? I think we all have a finite amount of willpower. And if you dole it out on things that really don't matter during the day, it's really hard to have it for the things that you do care about. Right. And, you know, it kind of goes along with the saying of like, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess, um, you know, it's also kind of creating the path of least resistance for yourself um, as well. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I would say is that a big key for me is to kind of switch over how you feel about, quote unquote, me time. You know, where we all need some me time. But if you think of me time as like, that's my time when I just kind of veg and, you know, watch whatever happens to be on TV or whatever that that looks like. If you switch that over and say, you know what, my me time is really the time when I get to spend doing something that I really want to do and that will make me feel better about myself and maybe get me to some other place that I would like to be, whatever that is. And it doesn't have to be success in terms of money or fame or career. It can be whatever you're choosing to do. But if you switch over and start to think of me time as, you know, how would I make the best out of the time that I do get? Then it's a lot easier to pick the things that you really want to do as opposed to defaulting to, well, I finally got a few minutes to myself, but I don't really know what I want to do right now. And so you end up finding some least common denominator thing to do. Right. So I try, I try really hard with the things that I'm trying to accomplish. I schedule them just as ruthlessly as I do professional things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even then, you know, because we don't always pull off everything professionally that we schedule, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's hard, mm-hmm. but it's even harder to pull off personal things. But if you try really hard to block it out, then it is much easier to get there. So that that would probably be my prime advice is to say, where do I want to go? What is it that I want to do? 
what time do I allot to doing that? And let me schedule that so that that is just as important as some of the other things that I do. Right. Yeah, that almost reminds me of um, my uh, mom. She just called me the other day and she was just like, you'll be so proud of me. I did yoga three times this week and she'll be really proud of herself. And she was just like, and how I did it is that I just scheduled it in my calendar. And, um, you know, and I just said that I was booked. Like, sorry, I'm booked on Wednesdays in the morning or yep. whatever. And um, it really worked for her. And she was really proud of herself at the end of the week. And um, she felt really good about it just because she had said, sorry, no, I'm busy. I'm busy during the mornings on so-and-so days. And it really worked for her. So Yeah, none of us get to feel as good about ourselves as we would like to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's I think that's a fact of life. Just like nobody gets enough praise, mm-hmm. we never get to feel as good about ourselves on a regular basis as we would like to. So if you decide that that's something that you can control by doing things that make you feel good about yourself or better about yourself or more accomplished or whatever it is you're looking for, then like like with your mom, she was really happy and proud of herself that she did that. That was her me time and she was left with a really good feeling. Whereas if me time is, you know, well, I've got five magazines over there that I've never gotten around to reading, so I'll just pick one up and browse through it. You can't feel very good about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really do you much good. Right. So why not Why not work on the things? And I don't mean work as in hard work, but why not actually focus on the things that make you feel better about yourself Right. and schedule that? Right. Well, Jeff, we've uh, kind of closed in on 20 minutes here. So thank you again so much for joining us um, this morning. Um, and if people were to find you, um, you know, across the Internet, and uh, where could they find you and your new book? Uh, my book is pretty much anywhere. Um which is a good thing. Um, I write for Inc. Magazine. It's Inc.com. So if you go there and search my name, I think I've got about fifteen or 1,600 articles there. Um, and I'm, I'm an influencer on LinkedIn. And I actually do, if people want to connect with me and then want to correspond, then I actually do do that. I may not be as quick sometimes as, as people would like, but I will eventually respond and I'm happy to do so. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Jeff. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And thanks. Um, yeah, thanks so much. Yep. Take care. And that wraps it up for this week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness. Thank you so much again for joining us for a brand new episode this week. And if you want to check out Jeff's book, The Motivation Myth, the link will be in our description and also in our show notes. Uh, So be sure to check that out. Again, thank you so much for listening. And if you have a moment, be sure to rate and review this podcast. It sure helps us out a lot. Um, And I hope to see you back here next week. Bye.